I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm the therapist, Tess Brigham. And I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. So today we are going to talk about Natalia Grace and Gypsy Road, Road, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um, we have been getting a lot of requests to cover these cases, but it, you know, so many podcasts have talked about both of these cases talked about and recapped um, these uh, documentaries that are connected to Natalia Grace and, you know, Gypsy's, um, you know, uh, release. Release. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Release from prison. It feels like it's been talked about a lot, but our Uncle Bill mm -hmm. sent us this article from the Washington Post um, called, it's called, it came out on January 11th of this year, 2024. Gypsy Rose Natalia Grace and the girl bossification of trauma victims. The fame machine has a strange way of processing other people's nightmarish childhoods. And this is written by perspective by Monica Hess. 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 Yeah. Um, and it was a really, really interesting article. So I highly recommend uh, checking it out. But um, so we're going to talk about both cases, but we're really going to talk about this idea of um what a strange cultural phenomenon this has been with these two women who are obviously victims mm -hmm. um, and their victimhood uh, unfortunately made them perpetrators as mm -hmm. well. Um, and just the way in which uh, media society that we sort of see these women you know, in our, in our culture and the fascination. Yeah. And also the way that their trauma, well, first of all, we now use their trauma as entertainment mm -hmm. and a mo more and more of these shows are, um, about w women's trauma as mm -hmm. entertainment. And then we kind of, we kind of gloss over, you know, the trauma. Yes. And, kind of sanitize the story and and then it's kind of like okay well now everything's great mm -hmm. you've moved past that now what are you gonna do you yeah. know and then oh you're gonna be an influencer you gonna do this or that then there was another story recently do you remember the turpin oh yeah children yes, that were yes. basically starved to death and oh, chained to their yeah. beds and um anything i remember the two Two of the the daughters went on Diane Sawyer, and um, we were talking about uh, what had happened to them. And then, after they kind of recount their story, that they start talking about how they hope to be pop singers. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like what? Yeah, <laughs> and and then because it's almost like well if you've gone through this horrible thing if you mm -hmm. come out and talk about it we'll reward you yes with some celebrity and you know maybe we'll give you a chance if you're a good singer to yes and even just um look at britney spears you mm -hmm. know and that whole thing and how um her trauma is still playing out you know yeah 
in front of us. Well, it's also what I think is really interesting. And it, it comes back to this idea of the popularity of true crime and, and why are we all so fascinated by true crime? And mm-hmm. I'm interested in true crime. I always have been. Um, and I do think there's there's lots of elements that are really interesting. But yes, the majority of true crime is about victimizing women. Mm-hmm. They are usually the, the victims. And um, what what we're seeing now with so many podcasts covering true crime and all of these documentaries um, is that, and I heard, I remember Dateline, you know, Josh Mankiewicz talking about this one time, which is, you know, we always have to wait till the conclusion of a story, mm-hmm. right? They do these updates, but really we hear a story once the person has been prosecuted and there's an end to it. Mm-hmm. We don't hear things in the middle. We don't hear things in the beginning. We don't hear things in the middle. We only what is produced for us a lot of times is the end, right? Where you talk about a show like My Favorite Murder or, or um, Women in Crime and they are telling us the complete story mm-hmm. of what's happened. And I think that there's this real desire for what they call, you know, post, post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. This idea that, that at the end of every story, there has to be this idea of you've overcome this right. really hard thing. Something and now, good has to come yeah, out of it. Yeah, something good has to come out of it. And there has to be this, now you're happy. Now you're here, right? Yeah. Like, like the ending can't be down. It has to be you've triumphant, you're triumphant over these horrible things that have happened to you. And I do believe in post-traumatic growth. I do believe I've had things happen to me. You know, you do have to, when you're going through it, you do have to believe that there is a reason for this and there, I've got to get to the other side of this and things will be good. But I will say that once something is over, it, it the strangest thing happens is you know when my whole thing was over by 2023 was such a hard year for me because it was sort of the first year mm-hmm. where i had i was sick and i was the first year i wasn't sick and that was harder than all the other years because suddenly everything's coming at me like oh my god you just went through all of this yeah you you because you were in survival mode yes yeah, yeah. and it, it was just like oh my god i went through all this and this was so hard and and how this affected my life and how i you know how i feel today yeah. and oh i don't have a lot of strength yet and oh it's because i went through all of these things i mean yeah and i and i think that that we have to believe that there's something good on the other side of hardships it's really hard to get through otherwise so i'm not saying that you shouldn't feel this way but it's this interesting thing where with these women, we're really pushing. We like really like, okay, now Gypsy has to be perfect or Gypsy right. has to be healed or Gypsy has to be this now. And we're pushing her out into the spotlight. And I don't think this is the healthiest thing no. for her right it's now. It's almost like they have to justify themselves. Like, yeah. why should we, uh, you know, you come here and tap dance for us. Yeah. Say, well, show us why we shouldn't look at you as a criminal or look mm-hmm. at you as a killer, or look at you, you know, how you have been being portrayed. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to like prove your redemption yes. to society. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, well, we'll start with Gypsy Rose. Um, this one is interesting because just to, to recap, if you've been living under a rock. Um, so this woman, uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, she was raised but her mother had munchausen's syndrome by proxy and so what she would do is she would make up fake illnesses saying that her daughter um she told people her daughter had leukemia uh, muscular dystrophy she had a feeding tube put in that feeding tube yeah she shaved her head and put her in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with this girl. Yeah. Nothing. This is all completely made up. And she did it for attention mm-hmm. for herself. She did it to get free things. Like, you know, I think someone donated a house. To yeah. Build so they got a, a house. house. They went to Disney World. Yeah. I mean, Dee Dee never really worked. I mean, they really did. I think there was a, probably a lot of gun GoFundMes. I oh, think yeah. she took advantage of Hurricane Katrina. Um, in many different ways. One was to say all the medical records were floated floated away. Right. We can't access them. But the other one is to say, I'm a victim of Hurricane Katrina. Let me apply for money and yeah, grants. Federal and aid. Federal, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they moved from Louisiana to Missouri after Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. And um, the father was kind of in and out of her life because uh, the mother, uh, you know... Um, 
didn't want him around. Didn't want him around because she didn't want anyone seeing what she was doing. And um, so, you know, I, I don't know why he didn't. Anyway, I think he was also very young. He was what seventeen. Oh yeah, and he, she was. 24? She was twenty four. He was seventeen. Yeah. They hooked up. She got pregnant, and he's like, "Well, I guess you know I have to marry her or be with her." And yeah, he didn't know what he didn't know what he was doing, and um, he was kind of helpless. But he later got involved in, in much more involved in mm-hmm. her life. So anyway, this goes on for years and years, and finally, when she's um, twenty four. This is 2015. Mm-hmm. She's 24 and she's really starting. Gypsy's really starting to get sick of this. Yeah. And she is now, you know, a, social media is around. She goes on social media. She meets up with this guy um, who, on a Christian dating website. <laughs> Christian, yeah, there you go. And so the guy becomes her quote unquote boyfriend. I can't remember how often they really even, uh, you know, if they even saw each other. Yeah. Anyway, well, you she, know, she was 24 at this time. You know that she had run, a, she had ran away originally at 19. She meets this guy at a sci-fi um, convention, mm-hmm. runs away with him at 19. Dee Dee tracks her down, tells the guy she's a minor. Mm. So the guy freaks out and she yeah. goes back. And so after that, Dee Dee smashed her computer and physically restrained her to her bed. Yeah, she chained her to her bed. And so th- you've got to think about this in terms of like five years of plotting, like Gypsy already knows this. There's something off. I got to get away from this woman. So you're five years after that, like in a prison cell, almost like plotting, plotting, plotting. So by the time this guy comes around, she's pretty determined. Yeah. I mean, and the the mother's killing her with all this stuff, you know, and yeah. And she does. She's 24 years old and she looks like she's about eight. Yes. Her growth is totally stunted. Um, And she kept her like she wanted her to look like a baby. Yeah. She She put like princess, like dresses and stuff on Mm -hmm. her and she had all these baby dolls and you know it was very very sick very very sick and she was just being tortured and i can't believe someone didn't intervene well there was an anonymous because i was looking through i went and did some research in 20 in 2009 there was an anonymous report and two caseworkers showed up but they didn't find anything and that's the thing is what would happen is is that anytime a doctor pushed her or questioned anything Dee, Dee would be like okay bye yeah she's you know move on wasn't there one doctor who actually did something and he report reported yes. her well because he's like something's something's wrong here oh yeah he did i think he reported it to i don't know if it was child protective services or what and they did nothing about it yeah or they and unfortunately right you've worked with juvenile you've done this kind of work before where you see like they have to go there's so many reports have to happen you know it's 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 such a slow process in some ways but that's why it's so important to report anything like just build cases build cases build cases but um yeah and i think the other part of it too is you've got to understand and and we hear gypsy say this like this is her only parent her only lifeline it's the only human being she has any and relationship relationship with with. or connection with and this person is telling you something Mm -hmm. and you forget like how how much a parent and a parent's opinion and what they think and say how heavily that weighs on you what they think and the process of learning how to recognize oh i have my own thoughts or i believe in this i believe in that and to disagree with your parents like that is a you know a 10-year process for people i mean it takes forever yeah. isn't it so so you've got to understand oh yeah she's completely dependent oh. on her and she's, she's a hostage she's yeah. a hostage so then she meets another guy online this nicholas go to john yes and they start plotting to kill dd mm-hmm. and uh you know Gypsy Rose is desperate and she's, yeah. you know, just been tortured her entire life. And so I don't remember all the details of it leading up to the killing. What I do know is that he physically killed Dee Dee. Yeah, he, it was in June of 2015. He comes to the house. He stabs Dee Dee 17 times. Gypsy's in the bathroom, mm-hmm. like with, you know, not not listening to anything and that apparently originally he wanted to rape dd Dee Dee before he killed oh, her God. and uh gypsy said no 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 you can rape me 
So apparently, this is where I've read and I've heard this on other podcasts that apparently like afterwards they have sex. I don't know if this is the first time she's ever had sex, but she like allows him to like live out this rape fantasy. Oh my God. And um, and while mom is dead in the <laughs> other, you know, in the other room. And um, so, and then they, they leave, they escape. They eventually, they post stuff on social media so people find Dee Dee. And, but at first, everyone thinks that maybe Gypsy's been kidnapped because they think she's sick. Yeah. <laughs> and then the truth comes out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, just uh, hideous, hideous. Yeah. So, I don't, this didn't go to trial, right? She'd had like a plea she agreement. Ple- she pled out in 2016 to second degree murder, got 10 years, and had to... She had to do 85% of okay, it. Okay, yeah, so she did eight, eight, she did eight, eight, and, a half, eight, eight and, and a half years. years. And then and go to John was guilty of, he became guilty of first degree murder in 2018 and got life in prison. And I think there was some talk about like, because he apparently is autistic and what's going on. But you can see, I, I think this these were the right, I think this is what needed to happen because he's very mentally ill yeah. and 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 he was a dangerous person like he will kill again like if he's having these fantasies mm-hmm. like this is he is not well but there is it is interesting that they get these very different they plotted it together you know she didn't stop him and in other cases um you know she they would have had the exact same oh i know well she's a very sympathetic victim yeah you know, I think they, yeah, if she hadn't had this history, she would have, it would have been a conspiracy case and she, yeah, they would have gotten the same yeah. sentence. So, um, so it's leading up to the time where she's going to be released and, you know, there's been movies and documentaries made about her and she actually, uh, I think was fairly, um, active like she's really into social media mm-hmm. and different and i think you know in prison i think she was uh kind of you know still trying to interact with the outside world i think she repaired her relationship with her father mm-hmm. and she has a stepmother and two half siblings who actually before this crime happened um they were you know a part of her life mm-hmm. and they were but you know the mother made it very difficult but they were really trying and then obviously yeah. when the mother's gone i mean they have pictures of they they would visit her often mm-hmm. in prison uh they talked to her that you know they had this was all she had left yeah this is this is it so she developed a, a strengthened her relationship with that part of her family and so before her release which was just in december of 2023 the family obviously got a deal mm-hmm. to make this its lifetime is what is it called uh prison confessions mm-hmm. that was released in january although i can't find it on lifetime you yeah, can you only have find clips on youtube yeah oh, you have to buy it separately well, i don't know i i couldn't find it and then when i found it it was like oh you can buy it or rent it for ten dollars Oh. And I was like, but all this stuff's on YouTube. So, yeah. and so I watched a lot of the YouTube yeah. clips. And so we find out that um, uh, Gypsy did um, have men writing yes, to her, yes. and, you know, who wanted to marry her or date her. <laughs> anyway, this guy, Ryan, on a whim, and this is this is so goofy, but and he's a school teacher. Yes. And he ended up getting fired from his job because of this. <laughs> but he writes to Gypsy Rose and then she writes him back and he yeah. is just so flattered. Yes. He, he was he, thrilled. He was so he's like, oh, my God, all the people who write hundreds of people are writing. It and she chose to write back to me. I mean, the bar is really low with Ryan. But so they start corresponding. He mm-hmm. starts coming to visit her. They eventually get married. Yes. In prison. And so, and again, the the stepmom and dad are like, can you just date? <laughs> Do you have to get married? Like, well, what is the deal? They got married because she wanted to be able to go live with him in louisiana Uh, when she was released because he's also from louisiana got it okay then that makes a lot more sense about the clips i watched where they were telling her she needed to leave missouri and go go (laughs) back i was like why do they want her to go so badly but yeah yeah. so um so anyway the family gets this deal um negotiates this deal with lifetime to document all this and they have the exclusive footage of you know ryan and the parents and the siblings uh going up to missouri they rent a house it's a few days after christmas they're going to celebrate christmas together Mm -hmm. when she gets out and so 
you know, you see all the clips of all this happening and, you know, they're talking about everything that's led up to this point. And so she is released and she goes back to the house and she's opening all her Christmas presents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the state of Missouri, the parole people, you know, say, you've got to leave. <laughs> she's like, well, can I just spend the night here tonight? <laughs> like we're <laughs> celebrating Christmas and yeah. we'll leave in the morning, you know? Yeah. And and I, I and didn't that's see... weird because it's a little bit like why wasn't this all worked out ahead of time? Like why is this news to you? Why yeah. is this like what is happening here? They had to yeah. have known her plans. She was picked up like in the dark zero dark thirty like because well, you get out at midnight yeah. or something. So what is she supposed to do? Or or maybe it's like four in the morning. It's I think it's mo like early early morning. But yeah, what? You're just going to hop in the car and drive to Louisiana? I think that's what they thought. She or maybe I don't I don't know what the rules are in terms of parole, right? Cuz you have to check in with your parole officer and maybe some maybe on one end they said, "Sure, you can do all this." And then on the other end in Louisiana, they're like, "No, she can't." I don't I don't know. I it just know. seems very odd that this isn't worked out. You've worked a lot a lot of stuff out already. Yeah, a lot Why of haven't details. you worked this out? Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I didn't watch the next clip. I'm not quite sure what happened after that. But we do know that like the next week, mm -hmm. the first week of uh, January, she goes on a media tour. Yes. And she is, which was obviously planned out in advance. And I, th I think I heard, you know, they hired a media person, you know, to book all these things because she's on The View. She's on, um, she's interviewed by... Uh, Deborah Roberts on ABC News. She's and then she goes on like the kind of um, more unsavory ET Entertainment Tonight and um, Access Hollywood. And that's where she talks about how, you know, th her sex with her with Ryan is oh, fire. Fire. And the D is great. And the, because people online are like making f poking fun at him. Yeah. And she's defending her man. Yeah. But again, I think that's a great example of bad boundaries. Yeah. Like bad, why in God's name do you, no one, no one should be going on social media no. and saying the D is fire. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And maybe that makes me a bit of a prude, but like nobody Especially likes it. Especially when you just got out of prison yeah. for murder. Yeah. But that's the thing in this whole media tour, it was as if the murder never happened. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't, when she was on The View, wasn't Joy Behar confused because Joy forgot that she was a murderer? Well, I saw the clip. It wasn't that she forgot. It was just that she said something to the effect of, well, you didn't do anything wrong. And and then <laughs> Gypsy says, well, I did kill my mother. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and she's like, Oh, well, yeah, I know, you know, but, but that's the thing. It, it had gotten to the point where people are already forgetting. Yeah. No one's, Access Hollywood is not asking her about her mother. Mm -hmm. She's asking her about, you know, her sex life, you yeah. know? I mean, it, it's, it's already being erased and they're talking about, oh, what are your future plans? And when, when are you going to start a family? I mean, it's just like, wow, we're just erasing the trauma, mm -hmm. erasing everything. And, and she's very pleased to be talking about all the stuff. Yeah. She's in a great mood and. Oh, she's very, she's very happy. She she's wants to go work with it. Kim Kardashian and, you know, do work on social justice, which again, I think is a good thing, but is no one stopping and saying, well, gosh, maybe, maybe this isn't the best thing for her. Maybe right. she should be in some deep trauma, some yeah. deep therapy. Because also serving eight and a half years in prison yes. is traumatic. Yes. Okay. Though she does say the first day of prison, she walks in, she walks out into the yard and she's like, I felt free for the first time because wow. she could sit down and talk to people her own age she could have conversations she could have opinions i mean that is it's That's frightening sad. when you think about the fact that prison is the freest much like the melinda's right, brothers right the freest she's ever felt yeah and that's scary and that's the trauma and i don't i'm not saying that i i think that we should be chastising gypsy rose or that she is you know it's all bad it's just bad it's just more of we're not, we're really, and this is what the article talks about too, we're really glossing over yeah. a lot where there's this line in the article, the Washington Post article, there's something weird about the public reintroductions of Natalia Grace, 
Barnett and Gypsy Road Blanchard, the way we rubberneck over their past trauma, but then expect it to be neatly resolved by the time they hit our television screens. Mm -hmm. And this is, it's a familiar pattern by now. And then she talks about the turban daughters, um, you know, and how they want to be singers now. Um, And just how this is, I think, what it does is it does a real disservice to what it means to be traumatized, right? What it means to be a victim and then have to be a perpetrator in order to, um, be free or in order to, um, you know, uh, process the trauma, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And Talia Grace's story is a little bit different in that way, but like, that's, this is the part that we're just, just glossing right over and and i think what happens is is that we we forget that trauma and it's called trauma for a reason which is that it's not that it just happens to you that it stays with you Mm -hmm. that it defines you that it becomes a part of who you are and um that we just don't have time for in our culture we have lots of time for the for the bad stuff but we have very little time for you getting over it yeah yeah. And it happens. Yeah, it happens. Um, yeah, because you, you'll see people who went through something, you know, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, come back and talk about, you know, mm-hmm. how, yeah, it's they're still traumatized. And even though she, she said she's in therapy, which is good, which I'm is glad. great. But my God, yeah, it's like she this is. Yeah, it's it's not just, oh, she's out. Everything's great. She's uh, got six million followers on Instagram. Yeah. That's the first thing she asked for. I don't know if you saw this clip. Oh, the when phone. She got yeah. in the car with Ryan. First thing she wanted was the f- her phone and installed Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I think it was he'd already installed it for her. She was ready to go. She was like, <laughs> "I'm out." You know. But yeah, that that was very strange. But I think her media tour is over. Yeah, I mean, and but the, the other thing, too, is and I'm with the family on this, which is wh- I understand she wanted to get married to Ryan so she could go live with him in Louisiana. And I think that he's taking care of his nephew. So I think there's some reasons why mm. maybe he can't move. But at the same time, it's a little bit like, yeah, I mean, what kind of guidance is she getting? Because I would be telling I would be telling her, like, stay in Missouri, be close to your family, get into therapy, start working on yourself. If this you and this guy are going to work, well, I it'll think work. her family's from Louisiana. Oh, I thought, but what about her dad and the stepmom? Yeah, Aren't they in Missouri or are they no, in Louisiana too? They just, oh, okay, they then went, I'm wrong. They okay. went to Missouri to pick her, you know, to have to pick the, her up. The, reuni- the reunion, but okay. they're from Louisiana. I think but they- I just don't get why, I don't know. I just don't get why she has to be married and have this relationship and i just don't think she's ready for all of this I, she's not but she's probably feeling like you i know, know she, she needs wants some, to move forward she needs somebody yeah you know she i don't know anywho anyway so that was that was one um story that we've has been in the news and then this curious case of natalia grace documentary everyone's talking about it everyone you know is doing podcasts about it i it's a little too disturbing for me yeah not to mention it's like you know 10 episodes or something and ongoing so i have not watched a a, a full episode of of this i've seen trailers i've seen clips i've seen uh people talking about it whatever so but but this is also a case where um of uh, a woman being severely traumatized and kind of used mm-hmm. very used used by these by a lot of people these filmmakers i was i think this from i've heard um on another podcast uh they brought this up and i was like wow they're right like the the quality of this quote unquote documentary if you even want to call it that mm-hmm. is really poor because the basically it's narrated by this crazy michael bennett yeah the, the father um barnett barnett sorry um who's nuts all you have to do is watch him Ugh. for like two minutes this guy is he such nar- a piece of he, work he narrates the entire thing and i think and the adoptive mother who's gone out of the picture you mm-hmm. know she's not even a part of this and is does natalia's 
have any part in the original one. Like she doesn't the first speak. season, the first season, right? She doesn't speak at all. That's why the second one is called Natalia Speaks. Uh huh. So she, no one's really telling her story. No, we're hearing it all from Michael. I also did not want. I just felt like I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole of this. Yeah. But what I did watch, I have to give her a shout out. Stephanie Harlow. She's got like tons of followers so i think she's probably doing very well she did a three-part on the documentary but she also does um uh research and she brings in things that she thinks and and others and it's very she does a very very good job so i listened to that and i read a bunch of stuff online um and i've watched enough videos of that michael barnett to woof yeah but i guess yeah he's the He's telling the story in the first season. The second season, Natalia comes in. And then even that leaves on a cliffhanger because there's another story that's coming out. And that's why basically Natalia said, hey, I'm fine. You know, she gets on social media and says, hey, I'm fine, everybody. I cannot talk about what's going on in my life because that's part of the next next chapter of this uh, documentary. But I think the documentary and what you're talking about that's so interesting is, as I always think to myself, God, what a time to be a documentary filmmaker, because documentaries have taken on a life of their own because they are really, you know, they're good fodder for podcasts. They're great to recap yeah. there. And because of this true crime and the nature of what's going on, and there's so many media channels and there's so much stuff out there to consume, documentaries seem to be, they're coming fast and furious, but I think the downside is, is that they're not, you know, they're not really spending enough time, like really thinking through, like, what does it mean to be a documentary filmmaker? Yeah, I would argue these are not documentaries. Yeah, I would call it a a docu-series or or just a a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're doing them like in seasons just for as long as they can get away with doing it. Oh, God. And doing episode like, you know, making something seven episodes that could really be two yeah you know but also documentary filmmaking it's it's kind of quasi journalism like a true documentary filmmaker it it takes them years you know because they they have to like look under every rock they Mm -hmm. have to research everything they've got to get it right they're telling a story yes and it's got to be right and it's got to be be unbiased unbiased and it has to be credible yeah Mm -hmm. so here they have this wackadoo who's the only narrator of this of this show they're using like um these murky photos or brief clips from phone videos from michael they 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 depend on reenactments mm-hmm. that's always a telltale sign yeah when there's a ton of reenactments this is not a documentary and that yeah they don't they don't tell the full story of natalia grace i've just pieced together things that you know first of all just to be um abandoned in an orphanage yeah. to begin with you know the 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 doctor apparently told her mother, when she was born and she had this rare form of dwarfism and they told the mother born in the Ukraine in Ukraine, um, they told the mother, basically, just don't even take her home, mm-hmm. you know, just leave her here. You know, she's not going to ever have a normal life. And, you know, she's going to have to have very expensive surgeries. So, yeah. And since this woman doesn't have any money <clears throat> and you're young, you're yeah. young, you'll have more kids. Yeah. Okay. And then I think they tried to adopt her out to someone in Ukraine that fell through, I believe, at least one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then she was brought to the U.S. and adopted. Um, not so. This is before the Barnetts. Yeah, because yeah. they weren't. She was in some other homes. Yeah, she was. There was a couple of adoptions that fell through in the mm-hmm. United States, and one of which was a, a family of little people who mm-hmm. wanted wanted her, and somehow the, the, they didn't get her. That these other wackadoos got her, and so she has like never made an attachment yes. to anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old she is at this point. A couple of years old, but yeah, that's why these babies who are in orphanages and never held and have no attachments what what do you think is going to happen yeah she's going to have some issues and we've seen that where kids who were in the orphanages in ukraine and these other countries where 
all it takes is, you know, a year of being in that orphanage yeah. or six months of being in that orphanage that we forget how vital and important the first year of life is and that attachment and being mm-hmm. held and being touched and and all of that of what a baby needs. I mean, and you think about what you learn when you first have a child. It's like wrap them up in this burrito thing, hold them tight, skin to skin contact, like all of this is. And they've done these studies. They did studies where you know, with kids who were held more than other kids and what happened. So she was already struggling, you know, by age one. To say the least, yeah. And so she was born in 2003. This becomes this big Mm -hmm. thing. But she was adopted by the Barnetts in 2010. So she was told that she was six. She's six, seven at this point. And so she's six. And she's, this is now what? The fourth family? Fifth family? Yeah. Second country? Psych Legal Pop will be right back after these messages. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. It seemed like the 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 mother, the adoptive mother, Christine, she had a son who was autistic, and she, uh, but he was, you know, very high functioning, and she mm-hmm. did all this stuff for him, and she felt like she was some sort of like disabled. Uh, um, she could cure savant, <laughs> savant, yes, you cure whatever for disabled but children. She sought out, she wanted Natalia yeah. because she saw her as like a project. Yes. Well, you know what's interesting too is in the beginning, in the first, um, in that first season where we get mainly Michael Barnett, you know, he comes out early and says, you know, we had everything. We had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. We had 14 couches that he, he, he <laughs> brags about the 14 couches. We had a McMansion. We had this, we had that, we had everything together. And what I learned from Stephanie Harlow is, is that, you know, they adopted Natalia in 2010. Mm-hmm. The book, The Spark, that Christine wrote about mm-hmm. her son came out in 2013. And that's when they went on that media tour and all of that, that apparently they didn't, like, Michael bought that Corvette of his in 2011. So they, the, the, he, he very clearly, he portrays it very early on, and you can see this, right, our lives were amazing. We were mm-hmm. successful. We were incredible. And then Natalia came into our mm-hmm. life. But it's a little bit like, mm, I don't think they were riding so high and in 2010. I don't know exactly. Do you know what I mean? I agree with you that that I think Natalia was a project. Mm-hmm. But I also think that they their wealth was, you know, the, this, this narrative that Michael's trying to force down our throats, which is, you know, Natalia ruined everything. It's right. like, no, 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 no. You didn't have you. You were struggling before her. These things happened that were this. And then and then all these other things happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's just it's a mess. It's just. Yeah. And um what else? Like, oh, there's this. Yeah. So this whole thing um, about her age. Yes. And what? Okay. So she she's adopted by them when she's six or seven. 
And they say that, you know, right away they noticed that she had pubic hair. Um, I don't, uh, you know, yeah. that this whole thing about pubic hair. Well, did you take her to a doctor? Like, did you do anything to see like what if, I mean, <laughs> the whole case basically hung on that one point. Yes. Well, and they decided, oh, she couldn't possibly be a child. She must be an adult. Well, and what the craziest part is the way Michael tells the story, because I saw these clips of him telling the story of like, first he hears the scream, this horrendous scream, and then he goes into the bathroom and then Christine very, then Christine has to like take him aside and tell her. I'm like, then why is she screaming? Like that makes no sense. You already know he's a horrible, like he's such a liar. He's such a big fat liar. But she had pubic hair but they never tell us like how much pubic hair because i'm right. sorry kids develop it could be just like some a few hairs or yeah. this and that listen people i'm a hairy person yeah like, i have a lot of hair like my poor son has a lot of hair like you know it's just a little bit like everybody grows at different right. rates she has dark hair you know dark hair it's more so that's like okay so what you know a few hairs and it was that and um uh, and the fact that they saw maybe period blood or there was mm. blood and okay. Okay. Girls can start their periods at like eight or nine years yeah. old or 17 years old. Yeah. Like every, every person is different. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they just, I think that's something they just made up after the fact. Yes. You know, when they decided that, you know, this, this girl was too much work for them yeah you know because she had a lot of problems psychological problems because of she'd been abandoned and traumatized mm-hmm. and abused well and the other thing too is this whole thing where michael talks about how they had this other girl that they were going to adopt from haiti and then you know uh that quote-unquote fell through but haiti had this horrible devastating um was it an earthquake, it an earthquake yeah and um and then he said you know we get this call from this this orphanage where they knew us already that that whole thing seems so strange where it's like they knew us already and they told us we have this girl are you interested you have 24 hours like is that really how adoptions work where (laughs) it's like you have 24 hours to decide or the deal's gone or something like what was happening so that seems very strange and then he when he describes the orphanage he talks about how the orphanage was in this bad part of town and kind of gross and all these things he really, I mean, anytime you could paint a picture mm-hmm. of, you know, good versus bad, like wealthy, poor, he was painting it. Yeah. I mean, ugh, it's unreal. Yeah. And so then, uh, then they go to court and they somehow convince a judge to change her birth certificate. Yes. To say that she's what, she's now 22 or that something. She was born in, well, and, and mind you, she, they took her to the doctor. They took her to the doctor in 2010. Doctor estimated she was about eight years old. Mm-hmm. They took her to the dentist to get x-rays in 2011. They said she's about eight or nine years old. They take her and do a bone density test in 2012. Mm-hmm. They say she's about 11 years old. Well, that you know, tracks. All of these, yeah. they have gone to the doctor and you know many 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 times to get this and each time they guesstimate maybe they're a year or two older but it's always that and somehow it's one medical doctor's opinion there's some sort of letter in there and the medical doctor is michael's primary care doctor and the letters are never verified and i don't know if they took that letter to the judge it's so bizarre yeah who is this judge who just yeah signs something like that so basically yeah they say oh they finally so so and during this time during this time from the time that she's adopted to um the time that they put her in this apartment she is horribly abused by christine um abused by the other boys abused by michael i'm sure michael doesn't want to admit anything Mm -hmm. but like she is horribly abused that apparently she was urinating in weird places and um you know maybe they claim that she was rubbing fecal matter on the walls we don't even know if that was true if maybe christine was doing it and claiming it Mm. you know and what they were doing was they were using this and sort of and going to their kids and saying look at what talia is doing or look at what this is sort of instilling fear in the boys Mm -hmm. their three boys against her and um you know 
bedwetting is a huge red flag for sexual abuse. Mm. Huge. And that's, that's the thing. Like you, she, I swear to God, it was almost like she, it was like this purse she didn't want anymore, Christine. Like, ooh, it'd be nice to have this nice purse. And it's like, oh, the purse doesn't make me happy anymore. So I just, you know, I'm just going to get rid of it. And it becomes this systematic thing where they decide to look at her trauma and her and her situation and abuse her for it, essentially, mm-hmm. instead of seeing it as a cry for help or pain or w- whatever it is, you know. Yeah, they were clearly not getting her any um, mental health help because a mental health professional would recognize these yes. things. And I think she was also acting out sexually, which, again, mm-hmm. is a sign that someone has sexually abused you well and then christine also was using a lot of this she was claiming that she had that a therapist she claimed that a therapist that she took natalia to the therapist the therapist told christine this girl's a sociopath and you need to lock her in her room and i just want to tell you something that no therapist would do that i mean you would lose your license Mm -hmm. but also this is the other thing is is that sociopaths isn't really isn't a diagnosis there is no diagnosis called sociopath and also with kids under the age of 18 there is no you cannot diagnose them with so which is a personality like sociopath psychopath antisocial behavior that's those are um personality disorders and there is there are other names for things that you can you can maybe diagnose a kid with if you see them having issues like conduct disorder or something like that but it's just interesting. It's like, you know, there, there's no therapist in this world, I will tell you that much, that would not only say this, but also say it in this way. That's all. Yeah. That's why she's a big fat liar. Well, yeah. And that's, that again, going back to the fact, this is not a documentary. None yeah. of this stuff was verified. Yes. And that, oh, I took her to a therapist who said this. Well, who's the therapist? Mm-hmm. Why didn't we hear from the therapist? And or, you went for one time and the person, I mean. Yeah. And, and, and they said, had locker in her room and you go, oh, all right. Yeah. Well, apparently um, the police did get called at one point because Natalia was sleeping on the porch. Christine had <sighs> locked her out. Oh my God. And took her bedroom away. And. Yeah, I mean, she did horrendously awful things. Yeah. This little girl. See that? I'm getting upset just yeah, listening sorry. to it's this. It's just, it's, it's awful. It's, it's awful. truly awful. And then they decide to basically just throw her away and they drop her off at some apartment in the hood. Well, the first, the first apartment, I guess, apparently was a little bit nicer, but, but still on her own. So, and she's only like really like 10 at the time or 10. Yeah, she's or eight or nine at the time. So oh. this is, so in, was it 20? So, yeah, the book The Spark came out in 2013. And the whole thing with The Spark was um, that Christine, the big thrust of the book was like, everyone told me my son isn't going to be able to walk or talk or tie his shoes. And instead of, you know, believing all that, Christine started taking him to college classes and he, you know, he... um he's now doing Ted talks and he's, you know, this precocious kid. And Mm -hmm. so she, and they go on this huge media tour and they do all this stuff. And essentially the, um, I think it's around 20, 2014 where the boy Jacob gets accepted into a school in Canada and they want to go to Canada. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that the Stephanie Harlow found was that this was from 2017, but you know, Canada's immigration we have this idea that Canadians are real nice and friendly <laughs> and like warm. They're not. They're not. They you know, don't want as, us to move there. They're as effed up as we are here. Yeah. Basically, that in the Canadian immigration at that time, they do not let people with disabilities in, mm. even deaf. Wow. So, yes, because they don't want anything. They're considered non-desirables, non-desirables because they don't want anything that's going to impact their system. They don't want people taking money from the system and not working and paying taxes. Yes. But they basically just blanketly, you know, say, well, if you have all these disabilities, then you can't come. What if you're deaf or blind and you, you know, you're doing great and you're not going to take anything. So, so there's also some thought that, they were like, oh, crap, we're not going to be able to take Natalia with us. 
Mm-hmm. And she's going to slow us down and get in our goddamn way. Oh. So we really need to figure something out here. <laughs> and so their solution is yeah. to basically just abandon her and in an apartment so by herself. Sad. Yeah. And she's going around like knocking on people's doors, yeah. just asking for food. And, you know, when some people finally start showing up, like um, this adult center that she used to go to reported to the her to the police and and everyone there thought she was a child the police saw yeah. her thought she was a child everyone thought she everyone was a is child. like what is going on here mm-hmm. um so yeah so then she's in one she's, she's in one apartment and then that's in a nicer area but but what happens is, is that she's the the problem is I think there's lots of stairs. There's you know not really quite yeah, it's firm. not handicapped accessible. Yeah. But and she's alone. She doesn't know how to cook. She doesn't know how to do anything. She has yeah. like a food allowance. I don't know. I mean, so she starts going to all the neighbors and talking to them. And of course, they all think she's a child. But of course, then because Natalia is so abused and she's a victim, she's got no boundaries. And I think mm-hmm. that was a thing. I think a lot of people were like, oh, God, she's so annoying. And yeah. so all the neighbors got annoyed. And so they didn't renew her lease. So then they're like, well, OK, let's put her in a new apartment. And they put her in this apartment in Lafayette called Lafayette. And that's not a great neighborhood where it is just really high crime and even worse. And they dump her there. And again, no, no help, like, you know, no way to even turn on the stove if she tried to cry. Like, if you can imagine that being alone, little girl, like, do you know school? What happened to school? Yeah. What happened to anything? And and so, of course, so so of course you're going to whomever. And apparently she there was one older man that she would go visit with for hours upon hours. And no one ever stopped to think, well, isn't that odd? That a man, you know, that this little girl, it's just, it's unreal what these people did. Yes. So eventually she meets um, this new family, the uh, the bishop, uh, Antoine Mann, mm-hmm. and Cynthia Mann. Um, again, I didn't watch it, so I'm not quite sure they, how they how they hooked they, up. They're in the apartment. They live they near live the- where near where she was placed uh-huh. in Lafayette. And I think it was one of those things where she just kind of wandered over. They saw her yeah. and she started and they're like, oh, we have lots of kids. You want to come hang out here? And they were there with her. Um, so they took her in and and but very quickly what happened was that they got their social security checks. So apparently the Barnett's were collecting social security mm. for Natalia and they were getting the checks and then giving Natalia an allowance. They claim like, well, we use that money to pay her phone bill and her light bill and her this and well, that. And she's living with them now, right? Or well, no? so yeah. So when the mans took her in, I think the mans went to the social security office and got that circumvented. Yeah. So that really pissed off the Barnett's. Oh yeah. You know, despite the fact that you're so wealthy that you needed right. $1,400 $1, a couches. month. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why do you need what? $1,400 a month or whatever it was? $700? I don't know what the number was, but that really, um, got them irate. But the way apparently the second episode the second season of the show ends is on a cliffhanger mm-hmm. with Antoine Mann saying, oh, wow, there's something not right about her. Yeah. Which, again. Yes, we all know yeah, that. There is some. What What did you think that just because, you know, there's these people who think that, oh, well, we're such a loving home. You know, anyone who comes here is just going to thrive mm-hmm. no matter what they've yeah. been through. Yeah. What you think you, you're just going to take in this highly, highly, highly disturbed and traumatized person. And just because they're in your home, like everything's going to be fine. Yeah. So they're not prepared to deal with any of this. Yeah. You know, but yeah. And but again, the, the quote unquote filmmakers make it seem now we're all thinking oh my god well maybe she is a sociopath you mm-hmm. know it, like it's not <laughs> the cliffhanger is not in her favor yeah so now everyone's going to be speculating all this time you know mm-hmm. what it was about and um like i was saying before like the uh you know this second season i started to watch the episode where uh you know she and michael are sitting down together to talk which 
quickly blows up. Yeah. And it should not have been done that way. It should have been done in a therapeutic um, yes. session. Of- she shouldn't have been out there because she does say to him, I forgive you, Michael. And I'm like, why? How did we get here? Right. And what we haven't even processed any of this. No, he just started immediately. I think she said two sentences and he started having a tantrum. Yeah. You know, and just started going off. And he's so nothing, nothing was accomplished with that. And it was just she was just ganged up on by him. And it's just like this is well this his is, whole his whole thing. The second season was he comes back around and he says, okay, you know, things are coming to light. So he basically blames everything on Christine. Right. So he says it was Christine that would abuse her. It was Christine doing this. Because they're and, now divorced. Yes. Yeah, right? So they get divorced in 2014. I think very quickly up in Canada, things go south. So he comes back down to Indiana. Of course, he could take her back in, you know, Natalia, now that mm-hmm. he's, but he doesn't. So they're divorced. And so he claims that he was, he was, you know, abused just as much, not just as much as Natalia, but he was this husband that couldn't stop her. And then he does this demonstration where he shows, he basically acts out Christine beating Natalia. I'm not even, he's like, like whacking, whacking. I'm not even joking. I saw the clip like, okay, come down. He's like making the camera get down on the floor with him. Come down here. Let me show you. And you're watching this going, and he says that he walks in on this. You're thinking to yourself, he is a grown right. adult man. And this is a woman. I'm sorry, but you could take your wife. Men are always stronger for the most part. Beating this little girl. And your response to this is, do oh, nothing. that was bad. Yeah. Or do nothing or sit on it all and not say anything. Well, he's such a liar. He is so, such a liar. It's so clear. Every thing, word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And this entire program is is built off of that so i just think it's a piece of garbage well the other thing too is we see right i don't know if you saw these clips we see that jacob isn't doing too well you know where jacob's living now this precocious hotshot kid he's in he's in michael's basement oh he's got long hair he's like you know he's traumatized by it because basically and there's a hot mic moment too where the the documentary filmmakers are interviewing Jacob and he's, you know, he's very much defending mom a lot. He's defending Christine. He's, you know, saying that I've kind of regressed and I don't know what he's doing with his life now. He's in the basement. So not that much. It's, and it's sad. It's not even nice basement. It's mm-hmm. like cinder blocks and a bed pushed against the, I mean, it is sad. So apparently he goes up at one point he doesn't realize he still has his mic on and he starts talking to Michael about like, well, I don't want to bring this up. And I, I did, I mentioned this, but I didn't mention this. And, um, and then he realized he's like, Oh crap, I have, you know, I have this, this mic on and, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, he, he realized he kind of spilled some stuff. Hmm. Um, he says, this is what he says that, Natalia claims that the three boys did abuse her and beat her. And Jacob says, he goes up to his dad and he says, oh, I didn't talk about kick down the stairs. <gasps> I mean, it, it was just, it was, it's, it's just unbelievable because what they were doing to their kids was, I think they were pretending or telling the kids like, she's this, she's weird. And I think also she did act out in different ways. And I think there were some things that were odd. And I think that Obviously, these boys, instead of stopping and educating them and saying, listen, you know, this is what's going on with her. This is why she's acting this way. They they weaponize that and they use it against her. So they turn the boys against her as well. And Mm. now I think poor Jacob's trying to unpack everything to figure out. Right. Like my mom, who I spent all this time with, who was supposed to love and care about me, is also this abuser. And my father is this person. And yeah, I mean, I, what I think is hilarious is, yeah, the spark, like you, you, your, your, your methods have to last. <laughs> you know, when you come up with a concept or an idea, you need to have some, you need to have some um, backing that it, it works over time. And so obviously she doesn't know it. You know, she's no, horrible. She's just made all, and that was all made up too. It yeah. was just, she, she's not a researcher or, 
(laughs) What I don't understand is this. So the Barnett's are in 2019. um, The Barnett's are uh, Michael has to go to court. You know, they were charged. Mm. But so Michael was. So Michael does go to, so they both were charged because this, the police start to get wind of everything that's going on. All this stuff's coming out. Mm -hmm. And, um, Michael goes to, Michael goes to court and basically the way it worked is that the court wouldn't let them talk about the Natalia age thing. They couldn't present anything about this other stuff, this abuse stuff that was happening. The, the case became about whether or not Michael neglected someone an adult with special needs no they're still tra- they're still tra- doing this adult farce thing they couldn't prosecute because of the age issue and they also couldn't prosecute because of because by now it's 2019 so she's only 16 yeah so by now but there's also a statute of limitations mm-hmm. so the prosecutors decide to push forward and then he actually he gets acquitted and the jury members were saying you know, they've, they've interviewed them and they said, no, 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 these, we know, you know, we didn't want to acquit this guy. We, you know, we did think he did something wrong. It was just the way in which the instructions they were given from the judge, Mm -hmm. they had to, based on the instructions, based on what they were supposed to do, say that he's not guilty, but they were all like, oh, he's guilty. Mm. He's absolutely guilty. Um, and then Christine, they were going to charge her, but then they had to drop it because they didn't have enough evidence. So I don't know. I don't know if they're going to try again. I don't know if they can try again to prosecute Michael on different charges. I, I don't know. I don't know. But the fact mm. that these two are walking around free is unreal to me. And getting airtime on this stupid show. Yeah. Oh, and so this is the best. So Christine, who's been silent through all of this. After the, um, I think the second season airs and she does this Facebook post to the world and it is the most bizarre Facebook post because mostly you would think that she would get on there and say, you know, this is, these things are false. Uh, you know, I have my own story and I will tell you when I can or whatever it like, or either you keep your mouth shut or you, you claim your innocence. Mm -hmm. What she does is she gets on it and it's all about like, Oh, you all want to make me into a Kardashian. That's okay. And you know, all these people want to date me. It's all about that. And about, about her sex life because a bunch of texts, a bunch of like sexy texts came out between Michael and Christine during their divorce, during, you know, the trial. So a lot of people were commenting on that. Like the entire thing was about, it was so narcissistic. It was just all about like, um, you know, if you really want to date me, if you're a loser, don't talk to me. But if you're, she says, if you're George, Joe or Elon, you know, maybe I'll take your call kind of thing. I mean, and you're like, well, who's George and Joe? I know who Elon is, but like George Clooney? George Clooney? Joe Joe Biden? Biden? (laughs) (laughs) Like, who who are we talking about here? But it is, but it it is so, it is true. It's this long post. I mean, I can't even tell you how bizarre it was. I I can't. Oh God, I just can't with this. Now, where, where is the support for, Natalia Grace, like, why isn't she getting the Gypsy Rose uh, treatment? treatment? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, she is she is saying that I can't talk because I have um, this another episode coming. So maybe she maybe well, she, she getting is, paid for she, hopefully she must be getting paid for it. if She's cooperating and she's not talking. Yeah. And- so, I mean, hopefully <clears throat> she's getting paid for this now. But and, and she again also, you know, when you see her interviewed in her own ways she's just like you know she's got a lot of those sayings too of like i'm strong now and Mm. i can do it and i have big plans for myself and i'm not looking into the past and i've moved beyond this i mean i think that's that same thing where she says i forgive you michael i think she feels like i need to forgive him in order to get to to my redemption to get to my kardashian redemption place to get over here versus really stopping and thinking, you know, or, or doing any of this. And she is still, you know, what is she? 20, 2021. She's still very, very young. Yeah. I just, I, I just, I feel so awful for her. Mm -hmm. I, this is not a good situation and I don't think she has anyone reliable. Mm Mm-hmm. 
to help her to support her. I don't know. I don't know if she's still with these people, the mans. I don't I don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's happening. And yeah, I don't know. I I I can't <laughs> I can't take this on this on. This yeah. this level of trauma. This one is just is awful. really gets me. And yeah, and I and I I don't like the trend of this where you know this has become our entertainment now. Yeah. Come on, people, make some real documentaries because we will watch them, mm-hmm. you know, and make them um, two hours or less, please. Because yes. <laughs> uh, I love documentaries. Yeah, and a well and done, me. well done documentary. There's nothing like it, and yeah, yeah it doesn't need to be you know, less is more. Yeah, you know, it's like doesn't need to be so long. Oh God. Yeah. Well, and then, the, but this is what we're seeing with this Natalia Grace, right? Which is, oh, there was such popularity for the first one. So there's the second one, but it's true. We've made Michael Barnett, right? I mean, yes, he's a, you know, everyone's ripping on him and making fun but of him. But he does not deserve this attention. He doesn't deserve any of this attention, any of this focus, mm-hmm. any of, no, any of, any it. of our and time. I, yeah, I hate the fact that I know who these damn people are. And I'm sure people are buying the book, The Spark, and reading it. And, um, and I do, I mean, listen here, we're, we can't, we can't be too hypocritical. We're here talking about it. So, you know, obviously there's this, this interest and desire. But we're talking about how awful this yes. documentary is. <laughs> we're not talking about, you know, the case. We, we don't want to, we, that's why we didn't really want to talk yeah, about it. That's why we were so resistant. Every time someone brought it up, we were so resistant to it, to talk about it. But because it is it is a lot, it's very heavy. It weighs on you when you consume these things. But also, right, especially after Daughters of the Cult and some of these other documentaries, I mean, that one was hard too. Mm-hmm. I think it's very different when you watch something like Twin Flames because that is... You know, these are adults. They get into yeah, it. This when is a child. Children is so hard. I know. I know. I know. Well, uh, okay. All right. Let's wrap this up. Did yes. You, did you start us off? Yes, okay. I did. Um, so... Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you like this podcast, if you could please, if you haven't already, can you please give us a five-star rating? It really does help us. And also, if you would like to subscribe, what's stopping you? Please subscribe to the podcast. Um, so that way you get the episodes every in your um, feed. In your feed every a week. Um, we are continuing our Sister Wives Rewind on Tuesdays. Um, and then Thursdays will be documentaries and other shows and other things of interest. Um, follow us on Psych Legal Pop at Instagram and TikTok. And if you want to reach out to us for whatever other reason, go to Psych Legal Pop Podcast at gmail.com. If I missed anything, I don't think so. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com